Welcome to the Golden Age of Cardboard podcast, where we remember a time when stacks of cards were held together with rubber bands and Mickey Mantles were put in bike spokes. We hope you will enjoy and reminisce as you come along with us as we tell stories about the baseball cards from the Golden Age of Baseball. We will examine the state of the vintage baseball card market and talk to some of the greatest collectors in the hobby. You won't be hearing us talk about any chrome or shiny cards here. Now, to take you on this retrospective journey, here's your host, direct from the shallow end of the gene pool, my son, Mike Moynihan. Yo and hello everybody, Mike here. Baseball, I'm not baseball collector today. I'm just Mike Moynihan. And that's Andy right over there. She blinded me with refractors, which it doesn't matter for that either. That's our YouTube handles. But we are today doing our second episode and really excited about it of uh, the Golden Age of Cardboard podcast. Last week was our first episode. I had a really good time with that, Andy. I hope you did too. Yeah, man, it's uh, it was a lot of fun. And uh, I know we've got a great guest today. So I'm, I'm really looking forward to this week as well. Yeah, me too. Uh, you know, it's been a re- weird week. Uh, we lost two Hall of Famers this week, and it's not every week we lose a couple of Hall of Famers, but this week we did. Yeah, it was, you know, it's it's always sad when you you lose, you know, great heroes like that of the game, and just yeah, I mean, I don't know what else what else there is to say about it other than you know they were great players and great guys. Tom Seaver, Lou Brock, both passed away. Seaver was 75. I think Brock was 81, if that sounds right. And Seaver, of course, known for just being a dominating pitcher and helping the Mets win the World Series in 1969. He won the uh, Cy Young that year. He also won, I think, in 73 and 75. Rookie of the year, 3,000 Ks in his career, 300 wins an insanely below three ERA (laughs) for his career. He was at the time when he was inducted into the hall of fame, the highest vote getter ever highest percentage of votes, I think 98.84%. And that's always one of those. I'd love to go back and talk to the guys that didn't vote for Tom Seaver. Like what is wrong with you? Uh, And then we had Lou Brock who, was an amazing staple for the Cardinals for a long, long time. Started his career, though, with the Cubs. Started with my guys. Started with your Cubs. And they traded him away midseason, I think, what, 64? Yeah. And he led them to the World Series, I think, in 64. They beat the Yankees in seven games. And then you had just his career of being just an amazing leadoff guy, speed guy. When he retired, he was the all-time leader in stolen bases course eventually surpassed by ricky but i think 938 that was a a big deal uh he was just known for being a playmaker and a an igniter to an offense especially that cardinals offense late 60s you know world a couple of world series there too one they won one they lost but uh yeah sad to sad to lose those guys and so that's kind of prompted this idea that that we've had to have this episode about living legends. And 
I just want to go ahead and bring our guest on because we're going to start talking about this topic. And man, I bet we will not stop for a little while. So the guy that is a living legend in and of itself himself, and that's Eric Nicelin, who is uh, on YouTube known as Those Back Pages. Hi, Eric. Hello, friends. Welcome, <laughs> Eric. <laughs> Welcome to the show, man. Welcome to your podcast debut. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. I'm glad to be here. And uh, just like you had mentioned, I want to reiterate, you know, the loss of Tom Seaver and Lou Brock in the last week is, you know, it, the more that time goes by, the more it, pass, it hits you. Like Tom Seaver was arguably one of the most dominating pitchers ever. Not only that, he was, in my opinion, the most dominating right-handed pitcher of the, you know, po the post-dead ball era. I mean, you know, much better than, than Greg Maddox, in my opinion. I mean, it's just, so he was just, he was well-liked by everyone as far as being a professional. You know, he might not have been the easiest guy to get along with in the media. He's kind of quiet led by example and he had been he had been sick he you know had dementia and he kind of fell out of the public eye in march of 2019 is when they kind of announced that because they had a whole bunch of stuff planned last summer the 50th anniversary of the mets winning the 69 series and then right as the season was starting last year they announced that he wasn't going to be able to be a part of any of it like they didn't have any interviews with him or anything and then you have lou brock who we learned about yesterday and lou brock was the king of speed up until ricky came along i mean so you're talking about two guys that we've lost in the last week that were at the top of their class in what they did and i i think that's very important. Obviously that we respect them and they're no longer with us. But, you know, according to today's topic, living legends, cardboard, you know, let's dive right into that. I mean, I don't want to do all the talking. I would love to have everyone involved. So let's, let's get into that. Well, thanks, Eric. I mean, it is our show. So thanks for letting us talk. Uh, during that, but maybe it's, it's uh, Andy, how would you define a legend? Like what does a legend mean to you when we're talking about living legends? Okay. So I'm a few years younger than you guys. So most of these guys that we're going to talk about, like I didn't actually get to see these guys play. So I'm relying a lot on, you know, history and the stories that are passed down from, from generation to generation. And there's definitely uh, something about the history of baseball and the way that it, you know, gets passed down where the legends, they really, they really stand out. And it's, it's not just the performance on the field necessarily. I mean, of course that plays a big part in it, but the stories, you know, outside of that, and then to kind of tie it all into the cards, some of the cards you see of these guys, I mean, 
just over time, they have definitely gained that iconic status in the hobby. And so that's, that's kind of how I look at living legends. Um, what about you? Well, to me, I've always thought of a legend as someone who brought something unique to the game probably, and just did things that few others could do. Uh, they held records that were considered historic, you know, just had an aura about them. They performed in the postseason. They, and it's, I wish I could define it more clearly and maybe Eric will be able to, to me, I always just knew, I, I, I kind of just knew what it was. I didn't put it in a box or, you know, put this strict definition on it, which I kind of always knew what it was. I didn't, couldn't define it, but I knew it when I saw it. What about you, Eric? What do you, how would you define a legend? I agree with you as far as you know, you saw it. And, you know, the nature of this podcast and what we all do, what we all collect, I think a lot of it has to do with, and I relate it to the packs. Like, you know, when I'm opening a pack, you know, let's say it's, you know, 1973. And I'm open the first year that they stopped series. This is really, I mean, you could argue the last series. But all right, 74, let's just make it easy. If you're opening a pack, you go to the store and you buy a pack. And you open it and you're searching through the pack. And you get a seaver. Oh, wow, I got a seaver. You know, to me, or I got an errand. Oh my, I got an Aaron. Or look at this World Series card that has Maze on it. Type of that, that to me, and to me, I, you know, legend, current day, I would say, like call them elite. Like I have a very small list of players that modern players that I consider elite. And that's a whole nother topic for another podcast. But to me, you're, you're opening a pack, you know, and of course, Everybody knows the rookies. You know, everyone knows what the rookie card is. Oh, man, that's the rookie. That's the rookie. But it, to me, it takes more than that. Because, you know, if you're talking about 74, the 74 Brock is his 12th card. You know, a 74 Stever is his seventh card. You know, so you, you're talking years on, and you're still getting excited about getting that play. Rather than, you know... You know, oh man, I'm a Met fan. I'm opening a '74. I got a Don Clendenin. Yes, I remember five years ago they won the series. Yada yada yada. But you know, Mike down in Texas, if he's opened a pack in '74, if it's not Jeff Burrows, you know, he probably doesn't care. So hey, M MVP in '74, Jeff Burrows. Yeah, so. MVP, and actually that's his rookie. But so it defeats the purpose. But but you know what I'm saying as far as getting excited. Relating it to cardboard, I, I think that's something that's almost timeless. Like, like, you know, I don't have any kids, but if they're opening a pack today, oh, look, Dad, I got a Mike Trout. It's pretty self-explanatory. Yeah, and that's what's cool, I think, about vintage cardboard. Andy and I talked about this last week as to why, when we did our first episode, talking about why we even should care about vintage, and it the cardboard can connect you to those players in a way that we don't, again, we didn't see most of them play. Correct. And, but you can have a baseball card of that player that was opened by a kid in 1965 or 67 or whatever year 
And it's, it, I just think that's the coolest part about vintage. So we're going to focus today on four living legends. And we've, we've talked about this prior to the show and we kind of came up with this list and this list could be much longer. And we understand that, but we're going to talk about specifically two, two pitchers today, two hitters that we all have agreed and consider living legends. It doesn't mean we won't bring up some other players as we talk and where they fit into that. But uh, Andy, who are we going to talk about first? Who do you want to talk about first? Let's talk about uh, let's talk about the pitchers first. Let's talk okay. about um, Whitey Ford and Sandy Koufax. Okay, Whitey Ford, uh, lifetime Yankee, right? Lifelong Yankee. Chairman of the board. Chairman of the board. That's right. Uh, rookie card Eric is fifty-one Bowman. Nineteen fifty-one Bowman. Just a it's a portrait shot. Uh, very uh, simple card. card. Card number one. Card number one, which if you're not familiar with vintage cardboard, anytime you have the 50s and 60s, that card number one can be incredibly condition sensitive because what would kids do, Eric? Rubber bands shoe or shoe boxes or both. They'd put them in order number and they'd stick a rubber band around them. And that card number one would tend to get significantly more damaged than the interior cards. And so the fact that Whitey Ford's rookie is number card number one uh, in the, in the classic, beautiful 1951 Bowman set makes it tough and, and makes it rather expensive. Uh, anything you want to talk about Whitey Ford, Eric? Well, I mean, he's, he is still with us. He is arguably the greatest Yankee pitcher of all time, which you know, it's quite a statement in itself because if you start to look at the other side of the diamond with hitters, you could debate all day. But with pitchers, I mean, I guess you could put Stoudemire on the list, but as far as overall Yankees, I guess if you want to, you know, pet it and yacht. But to me, it's clear cut. It's Whitey Ford is the best Yankee pitcher ever. You know, World Series hero, you know, Hall of Fame. Like you said, complete, complete career with the Yankees. And uh, just, you know, I think that pretty much sums up, you know, chairman of the board. And his one of his rookie is a key rookie because it's 51 Bowman and because it's the first card, which you described what happens to the first card in the set. Yeah. And before we get too far into any of these players, I, let's let's talk for a second. Let's let's back up just a second. Because I think it's important. Whitey Ford is 91 years old. Why does it matter to, that we're talking about these guys now at all? Why should we be talking about them? Well, I mean, if the last week, you know, we lost Seaver and Brock in the last week. So as far as the cardboard side of things, you know, a friend of mine said that later after Seaver died, and we were talking later that night, he said that 17 Seaver rookies had been by it now had been hit on eBay that night. Now, again, I get it. I kind of get it. It's a little morbid, but I kind of get it. But, you know, Seaver's rookie wasn't any different a month ago than this week. You know. Yeah, Andy, you saw the same thing on the basketball side when Kobe died, right? 
Yeah, absolutely. And um, kind of to Eric's point, I mean, I think it's important for if you're a fan of baseball or you're a fan of vintage baseball cards, I mean, why not appreciate these guys why they are still with us? Like why, you know, I don't know why we have to wait. And I think that's kind of what Eric was alluding to. Like, you know, if you want if you want a rookie card or any card of these guys, why not buy it now? Yeah, and especially the four guys we're talking about tonight. You know, as soon as they're no longer with us, the price is going to go up. That's that's not debatable. That's not arbitrary. It's how it goes. Yeah, if you if you want to own one, that Eric, you say it all the time. When's the best time to buy one of those key rookie cards? The, now, right now, while right. the guy's still alive, right? Yeah. That's it, and it can be. Any of the guys that we're going to talk about, including Whitey Ford, and I'm I'm desperately looking for a Whitey Ford rookie card uh, because I'm I'm feeling a lot of uh, FOMO with that. Sure, I don't want to miss out on that opportunity and have this bite me again. I remember looking at Kobe stuff, and I remember looking at Seaver stuff last week. I haven't looked at Brock stuff yet, but everything was just gone, like. Right. Within hours of the announcement of the person's passing, everything's just gone. Autographs, uh, we're going to talk about that some tonight. Cards, you name it. Key cards, everything. Just wiped out by people. And it's it's just an interesting phenomenon that happens in the hobby when this happens. Uh, we've seen it time and time and time again. It's incredibly normal uh, to, to see that. So some interesting things about Whitey Ford, you know, he grew up in New York City too. Missed two years of baseball because of military service. Uh, like literally his year, age 22 and 23 seasons. But he still went on to just have a, he had a 690 winning percentage. <laughs> he won 70, seven out of 10 times he went to the mound, his team or he, he got the winning decision. I bet they won an even higher percentage of that, you know, of his starts. But he didn't have a ton of wins in his career, only 236. But, you know, he won a Cy Young. He won a World Series MVP in 1961. Uh, won six rings, I think, total. Just an insane career. Uh and had years where he was 25 and four, you know, and uh, 19 and six, you know, just crazy stuff. His ERA was 2.75 for his career. So there's no question he was just a great pitcher. Now, you can argue, was he a great pitcher? Would he have been as great a pitcher with any other team? He was with one of the greatest franchises during the greatest runs ever. I, yeah, but I don't, I don't like that at all. I mean, you could. You name a player, you could say that. You know, totally fair. You take you go, you know. You, I'm trying to think of some some analogies from other sports, like uh, you know, you put Magic Johnson, you know, on the box. You know, do they win? You know, it's you, you look at, and again, you look at guys like you're looking at total domination runs like you said whitey won six times he probably missed that one time when he was in the war 
Um, because I think Mana won seven, so right, and they played at the same time, so he must have won, he must have lost one when he was out serving, and he should have got it anyway, but that's another discussion. But take like Bill Russell, if you take him out of Boston, you put him on the Knicks, you know, do they win, you know, 12 times or no, 10, what did he win, 10 times in 11 years, something like that? Something crazy. Times in nine years, something like that. That you know, the you know, you could say that about any athlete from any of the dynasties in any of the sports. You know, you put you put Tom Brady, you know, you put him on the Jets. You know, do they win at all? Probably not. So you could do that with any athlete. If if Mano played his whole career for uh, for the the Giants. than the Cubs, you know, could he have helped the even? No offense, Andy, could he have helped the Cubs? <laughs> I mean, it, it's just one guy, so it's really, especially for baseball, it's really tough. There's a lot of guys that could have helped the Cubs, Eric. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, they had Brock and they got rid of him, so. yeah, exactly. <laughs> and, and you could even say, like, taking the Bill Russell analogy, I mean, Red Arbach was the coat, right? I mean, you had. And you had Tom Brady and you got Belichick. I mean, the Yankees had Stengel in those early years or those, some of those years, not all of them, but um, quite a few of those years, actually. So you're, you're talking about a system and it's not Whitey's Ford fault, Whitey Ford's fault that he played for the Yankees. Correct. He just took advantage of this, of the hand he was dealt. Right. And, and you still have to pitch, right? It's not like, it's not like he won all these games and he allowed 10 runs and the other guy, and they happened to score 11. You know, we're talking about a, a sub three ERA uh, and a year he had a 201 ERA and 247. And I mean, just he, he was very, very good. Meaning, I think he was a good hitter too. Yeah. You know, uh, let's find out. Really underrated in the guys that pitched before the DH existed. I thought he was a decent hitter. I might be wrong. Well, he had three home runs and he hit 173 as a hitter, which is not horrible for a pitcher. Right. Not too horrible. So anyway, now, you know, we got, so that's Ford's career. Andy, do you have any Whitey Ford cards in your collection? I don't. I don't have any Whitey Ford. Well, maybe this will inspire you after this discussion to, hop over to eBay and maybe some of the rest of you as well. You you want me as competition for a 51 Bowman? Uh, hey, to each his own. I, there's plenty to go around. Let's put it that way. Well, you guys won't be fighting me for that guy. <laughs> so you have a 51 Bowman. I do. Whitey Ford. Uh, have you had it a long time, Eric? Yes. <laughs> yes. About, about nine years. Okay. that That would qualify as a long time. It's gone up a little bit since then, probably. Probably, yeah. Uh, let me tell you, Whitey Ford's shockingly expensive. As really? I look okay. at, yeah, and it is difficult. I, that's why I don't have one yet. Even low grade, really? Okay. I've always been like, oh, do I really want to spend that much on Whitey Ford? I have and, a PSA three. Okay, I would take a PSA three right now, happily. <laughs> And, uh, yeah, so it's a great card, beautiful card, actually. And 
he has a bunch of other, I mean, I have almost the same Whitey Ford or almost the whole Whitey Ford run of Topps cards. And what's funny is Topps invariably put him in the same follow through pose and darn yeah. near every one of his cards. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's just funny to see them all lined up and you see this follow through with his, he was a lefty and just same picture all the time, maybe different year, different haircut, different, whatever, but well, same kind of pose, you know, back then they didn't really do action photography. Right. What are some other key cards, Eric, that you can think of that we can give Andy some inspiration to I go by? 67, his last card. I'm a big, uh, big fan of, big fan of people's rookies and their last card. So yeah, 67 tops, I would say. I mean, if you want, I don't know if is he in the. Um, I don't know if he's in. He might be in the 67 Venezuela. I'm not sure. I'm not sure either. That tough card, though. Very tough card. Yes, that comes into more play when we talk about the next guy. Yeah, I I love Fords, and it's weird because he didn't even play, but his fifty-three tops card is just beautiful to me. Um, yeah, the whole set is beautiful. Sure, and that's kind of the point. Uh, his his fifty-four tops is kind of boring. It's I think a blue background, if I remember right. Uh, didn't doesn't like. Not that I dislike it. It's just high blue, you know. Yeah, it doesn't stand out like his fifty-three tops does, but. He has some uh, some pretty great cards. Andy, who's the next guy we want to talk about? Unless we have any more Whitey Ford things to discuss, let's talk about another lefty. Let's talk about Sandy Koufax. You mean the left arm of God? I think I've I've heard that term used before. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Eric, what do you think about what what's your Koufax thoughts? Uh Koufax, very, very interesting. When I think of Koufax, I think of a man with a very short career who wanted, he pitched as long as he could. And another interesting thing I always think about Koufax is that, you know, he wasn't very good when he started. You know, he kind of, the light switch came on a little later in the career and then just dominated. Just absolutely dominated. And uh, helped Brooklyn win that World Series. Yeah, so Koufax is 84, right? And again, like you said, he really only had about six good seasons uh, from 61 through 66, his last season. He won three Cy Youngs, an MVP award, uh, and a large chunk of his games that he ended up winning for his career in those just six seasons. Do you remember why he quit pitching? His arm fell off pretty much. <laughs> yeah, he goes, I want to be able to pick up my grandkids someday. And I, I think if I keep pitching, I may lose my arm. Like he was, because he was getting so many cortisone shots. And, uh, For most his, of the last half of his career, which is kind of adds to the uh, amazingness of what he was able to accomplish given his condition. Yeah, the physical ailments. Hey, I mean, his arm was just killing him all the time. Um, Koufax's rookie year is 55 tops, which, Eric, you have one of those? I do. You do. I do too, luckily. Um, and I'm glad to have one. I have a PSA 3. 
have a four. You have a four. So, to me, getting those types of cards and those kind of mid to lower grades, I think is really smart. A, there's a bunch of them, right? Relative to eights and nines or whatever. And and certainly cost is a huge issue, right? So, like Andy, if you were to get a Koufax rookie, what would you be targeting? Um, I mean, it would definitely be a low to mid grade. I mean, because of the costs, but I, I tend to focus, you know, like on, you know, what does it look like? Um, you know, if it looks like a four, but it's graded a one, I don't care. So I would be looking for good eye appeal, but I mean, typically I would probably look for something in like the three to four range, kind of like what you guys have. I do like the 55 tops because it's got, you know, it's a double shot. You've got, I think Koufax is on a, on a steps, you know, of a dugout or something kind of leaning on it is one part. And then a portrait is the other part. It's another car that's being used for the top project 2020 as a matter of fact, but it's uh, a really pretty card. Are there other key cards you think for you think about when you think of Koufax, Eric? Yeah, is uh, I don't have one, but it's he's in the '67 Venezuela set, which since he wasn't his last Tots card was '66, so he, that they put him in the in the. I don't remember if it's Legends or. It's called retired. Re- yeah, retirado. Retirado yeah. or whatever the Spanish word is for retired. Yeah. So he's in that. So I would I would say that he's probably. Because that is a very scarce card. You know, if you own that card in a two, you're doing all right. Right. So that would be the, the one I would say other than the rookie. Yeah, I, do, I, I would like all the cards of his from the dominating years when he, when he, um, 61. A lot of them are the same. They're not, you know, they're all headshots pretty much. I mean, <laughs> they are. Yeah. He does have some pretty cool action shots on some of the World Series cards. World Series cards, yes. Uh, those are actually really cool and shockingly expensive. In, are they? Are they? In reasonably good grade. And the, uh, league, the league leader cards as well, I think. Tons of them. Yeah, the 63 stuff, yeah. Tons of them. And all those years, you know, 63. Yeah. He's got some 67 tops cards as a league leader. Oh, that's right. That's but. Right. That's it. You know, he doesn't have a regular tops card in 67. But those action shots from the World Series on the tops cards are really cool. Yes. Um, But so many great cards. And I guess I want to cover a topic that I know both of you guys aren't familiar with, but maybe we can educate some people out there, is when you think about the collectability of a player, it's not only their cards that we all three love and and know a lot about, but it's autographs too. There's a lot of people that collect Hall of Fame autographs and just want player autographs. I'm one of those guys, by the way. And so for Whitey Ford, just to talk about him real quick, his stuff right now, you can find very nice Whitey Ford autographs for 50 bucks or less, which I think is an absolute steal. Uh, Pretty much anything under 50 bucks. And you can find plenty of them for in the $30, $35 range. Very nice cards. Obviously, what people I think they don't understand, or maybe they do, but 
autographs is all about what it's on and what it looks like and it can vary greatly in price and i always thought that was funny because still the same guy signed it right but it's all about what type what it's on and what type of card or whatever so just be on the look i mean you can find whitey ford autographs for 500 dollars too right depending on what it is so just like a player era card signed by whitey ford or are getting a lot more expensive now the the prices are moving a lot but you can still find whitey ford stuff very reasonably priced and then as far as kofax man he's been in a lot of tops products the last decade or so that was going to be my question i mean you've been collecting hall of fame autographs for a long time yeah and what year was that 97 that donruss set what year was that the donruss significant signatures is that what you're talking right. about yeah he had two cards in that actually Kofax did. That was kind of like, wasn't, a, a, again, my autograph knowledge is very minimal. But that was almost like a watershed, like, oh, wow, Kofax is signing. Yep. And then he didn't sign for a long time. And now Tops brought him on board. And everything I've talked to Tops about, he's very expensive. So that's why you don't see him in a lot of products, even now. But you Please. see him in more now than you did 10 years ago. Yeah, and he's in products. He's in quite a bit of products. They're just the really, really high-end stuff. Right. And, and sure. they're always really short serial numbers, you know, because they're... Associated with yeah, they're not going to have a number to 399 Kofax Auto. Not you know? anymore. That, that, what was that, 2001? What was that upper deck set? 2001 Signature Cuts? What was that? Uh, 2001 SP Legendary Cuts. SP Legendary Cuts were like 300 yeah. jackies and <laughs> yeah those are the days yeah and even the donra set from 98 like if you were to get a donra a, a kofax auto i would go after that one because it's numbered to 2000 right and it's on card it's and it's on card and they're very pretty cards they're nice yeah. and shiny and so that'd be something i'd go get but if you're going to get a, a modern real modern tops card you're going to pay anywhere from 300 to 600 dollars for a right. kofax auto not cheap stuff so just just be aware of that all right how are we doing uh what we got two more great play two more legends to talk about uh and i'm gonna let you talk first on this one andy because this is get kind of starting to get into your wheelhouse we're talking about hitters now i know both you guys have a penchant for hitters oh yeah really maze absolutely we love hey, hey kid the say hey kid. Um, obviously, Willie Mays, another guy that, you know, I didn't necessarily see him play, but from a lot of the stories and things that I've read, I mean, there's a lot of people out there that consider Willie Mays to be the greatest baseball player of all time. I mean, regardless of era. So, I mean, he was just a fantastic player. Um, you know, his rookie card was obviously 51 Bowman. I think both of you guys probably have that card. I've got um, his 52 tops, which, you know, obviously that's a, a classic set. But, yeah, I mean, Mays was uh, – he was one of those guys, like, to me, as a as a fan today of baseball, like, he's one of those guys that I think you could plug and play today. Like, he would fit in today's game, and it would be pretty uh, pretty seamless transition. Totally agree. Eric, what about Mays for you? 
Well, like Andy said, some do consider him the best overall baseball player to ever live. Um, he has a lot of roots in baseball. He is, uh, I believe he is Barry Bonds' godfather. And, That's uh, correct. Mentor, obviously. You have 51 Bowman, and he has issues from 51 all the way up to 73 tops, technically 74 tops. Do you want to count the all-star card where he's with the Mets in the World Series? I'm sorry, in the World Series card. And, you know, his later stuff is very affordable. I mean, the rookie card, not so much. It's gone up quite a bit the last year or so. But, you know, again, legend, you know, all the way from 51 to 73, he's got a base card. Some of them are higher numbers than others. That's all another podcast as far as that goes, but you should definitely have some Willie Mays in your collection. I mean, Andy's, Andy's being quite modest when he says he only has a 52. His, his 52 tops is immaculately centered. Which anyone who collects 52 tops or knows a 52 tops knows that that is a very, very difficult feat. Yeah, that's a big boy card for yeah. sure. Uh, Mays is currently 89 years old. 89 years young, I should say. And so, again, these guys are just getting and you know, not getting any younger. To the point of Mike's autograph thing is he is, I believe he's now legally blind, so he might not be signing anymore. We're very limited. So. Yeah, for sure. But I, I can tell you guys literally from personal experience last a couple of months ago, I was at a show here in Dallas and I got a maze autograph on a Perez steel for $60. Wow. And I said, yes, please. Uh, yeah, thank you, sir. Can I have another? And not for nothing, his stuff is crazy expensive in tops products. He's got some right. very key autographs in some of those amazing early 2000s FLIR sets, 2001 FLIR greats of the games, one that comes to mind. His is a super duper extra crazy short print. And it's it goes for around $2,500 to $3,000 for wow. that card, which is a lot of money when you can buy a Willie Mays autograph for 50 bucks or 60 bucks or right. certainly under 100. And so to me, there's so many Mays. He had so many great cards to me. Uh, some of them that were just, I thought ugly as sin. Like I hated the 61 tops maze. It's just a portrait. Without the no hat. hat. Right. Kind of looks uh, yeah. I hate that card. Uh, but I love his 60 tops card. I love, I think uh, if you can't get a rookie and maybe that's a cool thing to say, like if you can't get a rookie, you probably can't, if you can't afford a rookie, you probably can't afford a 52 tops or 53 tops. But 55 Bowman is a really cool card of Willie Mays. Sure is. Uh, the TV set, he's kind of bending over, I think, catching a ground ball or, or something. I think that's the pose, if I remember right. But uh, that's a great card to go after. And then his last card, 73 tops. Eric, why do we love last cards so much? Because I love them too. Well, I mean, depending on the player, they tend to have the last stats on the back. But if they play that year, that kind of wipes it out. But it gives you an overall impression other than their last season. Full stats on the back, especially the vintage cards. You know, the, the cards of the 70s were very good at that. Yeah. 
it would make the print really small and then to fit all the stats on there. But uh, yeah, classic picture of Willie Mays at Chase Stadium finishing up his career in the 73 top set. Do I remember opening packs as kids? And if you turn the card over and the print, the smaller the print, the greater I thought the player was just because they had been around so long. I just yeah. thought, man, this guy must be really good. His print, you know, you can barely read his stats on the back. Yeah. <laughs> you know, before I'd kind of learned how that all worked, but I was like, oh my goodness, this guy played forever. He must yeah. be fantastic. And <laughs> well, for the most part, a lot of them were. You had to be at least halfway decent to play 15, 20 years in the mate. For sure. But then I learned about Jim Cott, you know, or guys like that, you know, that you look. <laughs> I think it's cool, too, like when you, you look at a player's rookie card and then you look at their last card. Some of these guys, you know, they start when they're early 20s, right? And then, you know, if they have a long career, they're going to be, you know, pushing 40. So, it's kind of like if you have if you have the entire run or even just the first and the last card, you got to you get to see like basically you see them grow up like, <laughs> and it's it's yeah. just kind of neat to look at at those different just how different they look from their first card to their last. Yeah, like the Griffin. <laughs> yeah, true. All right, last guy we're going to talk about of the living legends, and again, we could talk about Yastrzemski and Bench and. Juan Marichal, I'm just thinking of other pitchers. Uh, Nolan Ryan. Yeah. Steve Carlton. Carlton Fisk. There's a lot of great legends out there. We're trying to focus today on the guys that might not be with us uh, much longer. Not that I want anything to happen to any of them, but hey. Always wins. That's right. Undefeated. So the last player we're going to talk about here is Hank Aaron, Hammer and Hank. Some might consider him the best baseball player of all time. Uh, there are there are there are certain numbers that, it, as a baseball historian slash fan, you don't forget. Everybody knows Willie Mays at six hundred and sixty home runs. That's a that's a number emblazoned within us. Uh, and we all know Hank Aaron hit 755. And when he retired, he was the career leader in home runs, RBIs, total bases. He had over 3,000 hits. I mean, he wasn't just a power guy. He was a five-tool player, an amazing uh, player. He went, he endured so much. I probably would say he endured as more than any player since Jackie Robinson yeah. in terms of what he had to endure to get where he wanted to get where he was. Would y'all agree with that? Yes. That, that, you know, 73 season. Yeah. Yeah. He, he definitely, um, he earned everything that he got for sure. I'm sorry. Who wants to go first? No, go ahead, Eric. Just to put it in perspective that I, maybe some of the listeners don't know, especially the newer ones, if someone's just getting in the vintage. To put the level of respect that Hank Aaron had, in 1974, he was card number one in the top set. And it said, all-time home run king, home run king on the card. He hadn't even broken the record yet. That wouldn't be till April, later in April, right? Yeah. He went into the 74 season 
not being the champion yet, but Tops went ahead and printed up Series 1. Well, there was only one series that year. But card number one said, Hank Aaron, home run champion, home run king, sorry, on the card, and they went ahead and put that out before the season even started, before he even broke the record. How great How great is that? How much respect is that that Tops had for Hank Aaron? It's just incredible. And I've said this for years and years and years. I've said to people, buy a Hank Aaron rookie. You can never go wrong buying a Hank Aaron rookie. I've said that for literally 10 or 12 years now. I've been telling people, buy a Hank Aaron rookie. They're not getting any cheaper, and they're not making any more, and the card is now, geez, 54 is what, uh, 60, 80, 80, 86 years old? No, that's not right. Matt's wrong. Uh, 76 years old. Right? 66. 66. 66. Sorry, 66. 66. I can't do math either, apparently. His 54 tops is 66. Yeah. So, you know, I humble brag, I am a big fan of that card, and I actually own three of them. Just because it's just one I bought really early on because I wanted, when I was starting my player registry, the second card I, the second copy I bought because, well, frankly, my friend was being too stupid and didn't want to pay an extra fifty dollars for it. In the grand scheme of things, so I bought it because I told him I was going to buy it. And then the third one, I just happened to put a snipe on because I was like, well, I'll put the snipe in because it's never going to win. It's too low. So it's never going to win. It won. So like, all right, whoa, shoot, I'm stuck with a third Aaron rookie. That's horrible, you know, and, you know, I have a, a three, I'm sorry, a two. My first one was a three, then a five, then a two. And price, price in perspective is my five. So I bought my five for less than what ones go for now. So this was a long time ago, but I've always told people, buy Hank Diamond Rookie, it's a beautiful card. It's iconic. It's Tank Aaron, Tank F and Aaron. I mean, it just you, you cannot go wrong. And I'm proud to say, you know, all three of us own the Hank Aaron record. So that that tells you something. I mean, it, if that doesn't put it in perspective, I don't know what will. Yeah, Andy, when did you get yours? Uh, I've had mine for uh, a little over a year, I think. Okay. And I've had mine now two years, uh, which I bought two years ago at the National in Cleveland, thanks to my friend Eric. Uh, we went and searched for that card and looked all over at all the different dealers. There were, I don't know, we must have looked at dozens of Hank Aaron rookies. There were plenty of them. And the one I ended up buying was a three, but it was a beautiful three, well-centered, beautiful colors, no snowing. And it was actually one that the guy had behind the counter. Like it wasn't even in his display case. And he said, Hey, I got a few more or something to that effect and said, and he pulled them, pulled a couple of them out. And uh, Eric and I looked at them and we saw it and we said, well, we're going to go look a little more. And we ended up coming back because it was just the prettiest one we saw for the grade, right? There wow. were plenty of, you can buy sixes and sevens and they're, they're crazy, stupid prices, but they were even back then. And they were even back then. So I think Eric's right when he says it's never bad to buy a Hank Aaron rookie. 
never a bad idea, but he's got some great cards. And I, I would say the 56 card is one that really stands out to me of his extra of his other cards, non-rookie cards, mainly because Willie Mays is on it too. <laughs> and, you know, they got Willie Mays sliding in. They tried to airbrush him to look like Hank Aaron and somehow it got out that that was a really a picture of Willie Mays sliding home. And, and I just think that's <laughs> what's that. And when you see it, you know, Oh yeah. Willie sliding in the home. Everybody's yeah, gonna be going and looking at that card right now and be yeah. like, Hey, let me, let me see if I can figure this out. Yeah. It's Willie Mays actually. And then, so I just think that's kind of neat. Uh, I love golly, which cards don't you love of Hank Aaron? Uh, I guess his, if I had to pick his worst card that I don't really like and care for, it's probably a 75 tops for some reason. Really? Yeah, it's just yeah. never. With Milwaukee, yeah. The, old, the the highlights card is much nicer. Yes. The one that stands out to me as far as like, it was always just confusing to me was the 57 tops. Oh, yeah, the uncorrected error. Yeah, yeah. reverse negative, yeah. I remember as a kid seeing that card and, I mean, even as a kid, I was like, Hank Aaron's not left-handed. <laughs> like, what happened here? <laughs> yeah, interesting. There's been some funny things with Hank Aaron cards over the, which I think just adds to the, the coolness of it, right? Yeah. I think it just enhances it. In terms of autographs, Aaron is again in a lot of modern tops products, extremely low serial number, very similar to Kofax. And you're going to see prices commensurate with Kofax as well on that end, three to five, six hundred and up from there. But you can still find some great deals on Hank Aaron autographs. If I mean, I'm I'm telling you, anything Perez? under a hundred bucks is a good deal to me for Hank Aaron. What uh, do Perez deals go for? Perez deals. I got a at the National last year in Chicago. I got the Great Moment set, which is the really big one. It has a beautiful Hank Aaron. And it was slabbed, and I paid a hundred dollars for it. Perfect, yeah. So I, I couldn't uh, get my money out of my wallet fast enough for that deal. <laughs> but there are is normal Perez deals. They're hundred and hundred and change. They're but under two hundred for the most part. So it's kind of that. And the whole point of this entire discussion is get them now. Do the if if you're autograph guy you need to go look for these autographs. Now, if you don't have them, if you're a card guy, these key cards that we're talking about, the rookie cards, all these things, they are not going to get cheaper when they pass away. We're here to tell you guys guarantee, guarantee it. And it's like time and time again, we see this happen with athletes where, you know, they, they will eventually pass away. And then all of a sudden everybody's going to look up and realize, man, these guys were good. Yeah. And I mean, you know, they that's that's already been decided. Um, so, yeah, I would like you guys have said, go out and get them now, because there's certainly there's no downside to having any of these players for sure. Yeah. I mean, it's basically with cards. That's the end cycle. You know, you're a hot rookie, you're a hot prospect. You're, people generate you generate interest. You make the show, you generate interest. You're an all-star, you generate interest. You're a World Series champion, you generate interest. You retire, you get in the Hall of Fame, you generate interest. The last the last phase in the cycle is passing away. You pass away, that generates interest. Then it's, you know, then you 
I guess even even you get even can get even more mythical over time. I mean, Mantle's been deceased just past 25 years this year, you know, back in 95. So his legacy has only grown over time. So I think it's especially with with Aaron and Mays, I think that's only going to continue. Yeah, it's interesting over the last week since Tom Seaver passed away, or not all, almost a week, I guess now. No, it has been a week, hasn't it? Yeah, it was Monday. As, yeah. we're, shoot, as we're shooting this. I've had many people, six or eight, text me, shoot me an email and say, man, I never knew how good Seaver was. When he passed away, I finally examined his career and looked at his stats and, oh, my goodness, he was great. Yeah. Yeah, no kidding, right? And so we're we're raising this red flag going, hey, you need to look at these guys. They are – the the older of the legends and we you know, maybe we'll do a follow-up about kind of the, that next generation that we've talked about especially with the pitchers i mean the the pitching game itself has changed so much i think siever had probably about 70 complete games i mean it's just you know now if you get one or two complete games a season you're having a great season right you know 70 games I'm, I think I might be rounding up you can look it up if you want but I'm look it up you know that's you know 20 or 25 seasons worth of current pitching to try to get that many complete games and then, do you want to know how many complete games Tom Seaver have I do 231 all right 231 complete games <laughs> all right yeah. so you know most guys you get 280 starts now right career that's going to be a good career you know that's 15 years that's 12 15 years in the league so the pitching games so that even puts these like 300 wins you know no one's going to win 300 games again it's right. just the way baseball is now so that just adds to your point like now is the time what Koufax did what, what Whitey Ford did you know now is the time yeah well, man, what a, I really, really enjoyed this discussion. And I love Eric, your knowledge is just amazing. And your, your what you bring to this hobby is, is great. And thank you. I want to publicly thank you for your friendship and just what you do for everybody in the community and sharing your knowledge. It's fantastic. Absolutely. Like, uh, I mean, I can honestly say, you know, you talked about your story with your, Hank Aaron rookie, Mike, and how, you know, you were kind of inspired by Eric. It was kind of the same with me. Like I, I remember watching one of his videos and him showing his three and I was like, Oh my gosh, you know, and that, that's a card that I'd always wanted, but just, just seeing that video just kind of really it pushed it to like the top of the list for me as far as like, man, I need to get one of these. So yeah, definitely. Thank you, Eric. And I bet you're glad you did now. Yes. Oh, of course. I mean, that is, that's one of my favorite cards in my collection. And his copy is beautiful looking. Yeah. I, I was picky. So, I mean, it was, it's not like, a, it's not a high grade. It's a four, but yeah. I, well, that's pretty high now. <laughs> well, <laughs> price wise, at least it's high. Yeah. yeah. Speaking. I'm trying to tell people it's, it's kind of this weird 
uh, be patient and look for the right card and the right deal, but don't be too patient. Right. If you find that card you like, <laughs> buy it. I can't stress that enough. Just buy it. Oh, I, you know, I can kind of get, I can kind of afford it. Well, that means you can kind of buy it. You know, kind of, the time is now. Yeah. Totally agree. Well, thanks again, Andy. Thanks for being a great co-host. Uh, yes. Appreciate it. Absolutely, guys. It was a great time. Always, always happy to be here. So our, our next episode will be great. I don't want to spoil it, but make sure you tune in next week for another great episode of Golden Age of Cardboard podcast. And I heard about it. Tune in. Yes, it'll be good. So, Eric, thanks again. Everybody, thanks, thanks for watching. Thanks for listening out there. Y'all have a great day. Stay safe and keep collecting.